Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And let me tell you, I'm really excited for this episode We got a solo episode on something that I've been Thinking about for a while, the best way to talk about it or to share it, because ultimately, I am more fit right now than I have been in many years. And it's a path that was not one that I expected to hit. It was especially after the spring where, shoot, really wasn't doing any running for three months. And then in August, I didn't run very much again because of an ankle issue that I would never say first week of October that I would have expected to be the most fit that I have ever been. But that is exactly what has happened. And I am so excited to share some of the things that I'm doing with you because maybe it will help you. I know if it helps me, it can certainly help you as well. I'm certainly not special in that regard or really any other regard. And I just want to share this stuff because that's why we're doing this, to help people become the best athletic versions of themselves. So let's dive into it. These are in no particular order. I guess the first one isn't, isn't the first one's in order. The rest are kind of scattershot, but the first one kind of lays the groundwork for the rest of the things. And that is focusing on aerobic development. And that is easily the most important thing for me that I've done recently because, and we've talked about this on the show so, so many times. The aerobic, our aerobic system is the catalyst for basically everything else that we're doing as runners. Even elite milers, their mile race is 87% aerobic, 87%. And when we think of these people, or even mile races that we've done, we feel like we're redlining, shoot, darn near the whole time. But the fact of the matter is the aerobic system is really doing the brunt of the work there. So if that's true for a mile, what does it mean for a 5K? 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon. It is the main system that we need to work. Not the only system, Lord knows, but the main system. And that's also a big thing for me because my aerobic system just wasn't where it needed to be. And I, again, I've mentioned this so many times in the podcast. I'm more of a fast switch athlete, which means that I'm much better at the, the workout stuff, the track stuff, the fart licks. Then I am, especially fart licks that are, um, you know, much more heavy on the speed stuff, and then with plenty of recovery in the short stuff. So I mean, in the in the in the recovery zone, right? So not fart licks where it's it's a quick turnaround, uh, which really does focus so much on the aerobic system. Fart licks where it's like, hey, at the beginning of every mile, go hard for forty five seconds, right? Like I could I could try I could thrash that workout, but ultimately. That wasn't what was going to get me to the next level or five levels beyond that. And focusing on that aerobic development is really the paramount thing. And what does that mean? Well, it means doing more time on feet, especially. That has been the key thing for me. In addition to that, and here's the next thing, it means stepping up on the bike when I wasn't able to run the way that I wanted to. And that was a huge change in August. So in July, I was building up from uh, my knee injury. In July, it was great, right? Went from running in beginning of June, zero miles a week to end of July. I was at 41 miles a week. I was super pumped. And then I stepped on a route. And all of a sudden, you know, we're kind of like trying to get the ankle back. I'm trying to get the ankle back. And um, 
I'm thinking like, all right, I think I can run it. I think I can't. And I just kept going back and forth, back and forth, you know, 15 miles a week, 20 miles a week. And then after two weeks of that nonsense of can I run, can I not run, just said, hey, I got to get my butt on the bike. I have, I have this like 12-year-old mountain bike in the garage. I didn't care. I'm going to do it messy. Like, who cares if I don't have a road bike? It doesn't matter. All that matters is the effort I'm putting into it, not what the speedometer says, how fast I'm going down the bike path. I got these huge lug mountain bike tires that are just absolutely enormous. Uh, I'm not passing anybody on the bike path, even if I'm working my hardest. But finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to hop on the bike and I'm going to do it. And it changed everything for me because, and that sounds dramatic, but it's true because I was able to really step up my fitness game on the bike. And how many times do we say it on this show? I mean, honestly, it's all the time that you don't have to be running to improve your fitness level. And we see it all the time with triathletes and and, and people just in other sports who then come over to running and have success because their aerobic system's already built up. So I didn't just go to like, hey, Planet Fitness, 45 minutes on the bike, mindless stuff, just kind of like looking at, you know, whatever TV show they got on the screen above me, right? Food Channel or HGTV or whatever. I really dove in headfirst. So every ride was at least an hour. A lot of them were 90 minutes. A lot of them were, um, you know, go hard, not go hard, I'm sorry, you know, go easy pace for 30 minutes, then spend 30 minutes doing some sort of workout, and then, you know, 30 minutes back, cool down, easy to moderate pace, which was great. And because there was no pounding, like on the run, I could do multiple of these each week. And it really set me up for success moving forward. All of a sudden, my fitness and my aerobic system started gaining speed. Even though I wasn't running, I was able to just completely stop running and just hit the bike for I think three straight weeks of really almost no running at all. And I was able to really increase my fitness level, just going super hard on the bike. And then when I was finally able to get running back in the mix, I didn't ditch the bike at that point because not only did the bike improve my aerobic system in a way that didn't hurt the pounding, but it also made me so much stronger of an athlete. And this was a thing that really uh, cropped up with my bursitis in my knee in that The big issue was I wasn't activating my glutes and my glute strength, especially on the left side, was not where it needed to be. Getting on the bike, man, that'll work your glutes big time, especially if you're especially if you're out there hammering every once in a while. And I completely noticed this. My legs felt different. They were stronger and it helped me as a runner. It helped me as an athlete, which is why. Even now, this week, I, you know, I'm now into the mid 40s uh, from a mileage standpoint, which is great. And it's, some, it's a place I haven't been in a decade. But even now, I'm still riding once a week because I know it's helping me. I know not only it's helping my aerobic system, but it's making me stronger at the same time. And my legs just feel different under me. And it's helping me with these long runs. It really is. And all of a sudden now, not only am I running 45 miles a week, but then I'm also spending 90 minutes on the bike from a total output perspective. The overall time that I'm spending working out is going up and up and up, and it really makes a difference, especially when you throw that 90-minute bike ride in there. It's not, it's not you know, causing me any pain in, uh, from, from an impact standpoint, you know, hitting the pavement. And that's been an enormous thing for me. On that point, introducing trail running has been 
really, really worth it. Now, there's a couple things that have um, really a couple a couple reasons I've really taken to the trail running. Uh, again, these are in no particular order. It definitely strengthens areas in my legs that don't normally get hit. Okay, it does reduce the pounding, which is huge, and it's just more fun. It just is so much more fun to be out there on the trails. Now, when I say trail running, and this is important, there are certainly places around me and probably around you too where there's these groomed like towpaths with like crushed gravel or limestone or things like that. Those are great places to run. And the same thing with like a dirt road, right? The same kind of effect, right? So it's not the pavement, which is great, but it's also not trails. It's just something kind of in between. And those are great spots to do workouts or long runs on. I absolutely, I've been loving spots like that for, for those two things. But when I say that I'm doing more trail running, I'm talking about like really going out into the woods and, you know, a technical trail run, uh, you know, up, down, side to side. And that's where, you know, in terms of strength, it's changed the game for me because, you know, out here in Rhode Island, the trails can get rocky and rooty and just northeast trail running uh, can literally be a minefield. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, but I can't run trails without my glasses on. And I don't have contacts. I wear glasses, but normally I don't run with my glasses on, especially if I'm doing road running and things like that. So I, I just don't feel comfortable running on trails without my glasses. That would be a disaster. It would be, I would be getting injured and have gotten injured so fast when I've done that. Um, so that was not a big thing. I didn't want to go get contacts. So finally, I just invested in, I went to REI. I got a little like, it's actually hanging. I'm recording this episode actually from my car because we all live busy lives. I got a little strap for my glasses, something that's been around forever. I finally just invested in one, what was like eight bucks. And it was like, it changed everything. So I wore my glasses on the run. Uh, Not ideal, but it's fine. It's totally fine. And now when I go out for trail runs, and this is the key thing, is that I'm working muscles that I don't normally work. The kind of stuff that you would work, say, if you were playing basketball or soccer or field hockey or volleyball, right? Going side to side, quick movements, especially a lot of stuff in the lower legs because I'm landing differently, I'm pivoting differently, and it is, um, it's a new and fun experience. And also, it's a great way to not have to worry about pace. Like, I don't even, for me, it's more like, time on feet, right? Like I'm out there for an hour and a half. How far did I go? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Going six to eight miles. And it really ultimately does not matter. It's more of just feeling like an athlete, feeling like someone who's really enjoying it because we've been, how many of us have like our our paths, right? We have our five mile loop, our six mile loop, our eight mile loop and so on and so forth. And we all have that. And it's nice to just kind of disconnect and go on autopilot every once in a while, but also it's fun to be engaged and to feel engaged. And actually when I'm doing these things, I turn off the music in the podcast that I listen to or the audiobooks, which I normally never do. And just, I'm fully in it. And it's been so much fun. It's just been this wonderful experience of trying something new, being athletic and getting strength in a way that I haven't in the past and engaging with new routes, which is always so much fun. I feel like I live in a new area, right? Like sometimes when you visit a friend, you, you run a new route that you've never run before, or you're, you're exploring a new city. It just feels fun and different. That's how it feels for me now. And I haven't moved. All I'm doing is running in a new place and it's really enjoyable. I know this isn't going to affect a lot of people who maybe are early morning or late night runners. We're running in the dark and on the trails. That might be a bridge too far. And I totally get that. I I completely get that. Uh, But for me, 
It's been an absolute big change, and I've really loved it. Absolutely. And it's something that I look forward to every week. I'm on alltrails.com looking at art. Where am I going to run this week? This is going to be so much fun. Now, not caveat, but kind of like feeding off that is completely disregarding pace on the run. All right. This is something that, you know, I have, you know, I, I shoot. This podcast has been sponsored by a watch company, right? Coros, Coros Global. I have their Vertex 2 watch. I'm a huge fan. It's their brand new watch and I love it. But when I'm on the run, I turn my SWAT, my smartwatch into a dumb watch. I just have two settings. I completely change the watch face. So setting one is total time. That's it. There's no other things on the screen, just total time. Screen two is total distance. That's it. And I have absolutely loved this change. I am completely oblivious to my speed in the moment. Not only out on the trails, which like, again, who cares? It's trail run, doesn't matter. But when I'm doing other stuff, when I'm doing, you know, say six by three minutes hard, two minute easy, right? Or I'm doing a long run, stuff like that. Not being aware of the pace is so nice on two levels, right? You get the side of you that you completely dissociate from, you know, that that in-the-moment judgment because any good coach, and there's a lot of good coaches out there, and this is something I tell my athletes all the time is the intent of the workout matters far more than the actual paces you are hitting. Well, it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to live it, especially if you're standing here staring at your watch looking at the paces or your watch is notifying you of the paces after each mile. Like, that stuff has got to go because if you're going... Again, we'll just do this six by three minutes hard, two minute easy, right? It's pretty simple. If you're saying, all right, I want my easy pace to be my in the normal range of what easy is for me, right? So say your normal easy pace range, again, I know we're talking about time here, but this is just for the, the purpose of the example, is 8.45 to 9.15 pace, right? So a pretty broad 30 second range, right? If you're going six minutes, three by hard, two minute easy, and you want the too easy to be at your normal easy pace range, you know what that feels like. You don't need a watch to tell you what that is, okay? Well, how should I? How fast should I go in the hard part? Well, easy. You go as hard as you can while still being able to maintain that normal easy pace on the recovery, not walking it. Okay. If you can do that, then you're hitting the intent of the workout and you don't need a watch telling you how fast you're, you're going. And this is the other really nice part. It's that who's to say that you can't go faster than you thought you could on that day or that your coach thought you could, right? Especially if you're having a coach who works with you remotely, like I do with my athletes. I don't know exactly what my athletes are, are capable of on each day. If I was with them on the track or something, maybe I'd have a better handle on that. For me, it's more of guidance. This is what we can do to get to the next level instead of like that in the minutia, you can hit this exact pace. And also who wants that kind of, it's just too, it's just too type A. So this is the other part is that you can have this feeling of, I'm just going to go hard and then I will go easy. And then what will be the pace after the fact? Who knows? And maybe you do want to look after the fact and, and gauge how fast you gauge how fast you went. But it's even better not doing that because ultimately, comparison, comparing yourself to others or even to other moments in your life, it doesn't serve a positive purpose. Because if you had a workout and you felt great afterwards, who cares? about anything else. Who cares if it, how fast you ran six months ago compared to this workout? What's that actually going to tell you? What's that actually going to mean moving forward? Nothing, nothing. 
All right. You might sit there and all of a sudden you're, you feel bad because, oh, wow, last April I did this workout and I ran five minutes, you know, five seconds per mile faster than I ran in this workout. And all of a sudden the workout that you were pumped about, now you're sad about, right? And for me, that's just not going to fly because ultimately it doesn't change what happened in the workout, nor does it change the ceiling of what I'm capable of. What am I capable of? I don't know. Who knows? Right. But I'm not going to be able to, you know, mathematically figuring out by like dotting all, you know, plotting all of these dots on a graph and then, you know, trying to look forward to the next six months because who's to say. Right. And ultimately, it doesn't matter. We just go out. We run hard. We recover hard. We do it again and we have fun doing it. And if we're able to do that, then we're going to see these long-term gains that are going to be way beyond what we thought we were. And that's where I am today, right? Second week, April, I'm sorry, second week, April, second week of October, I'm recording this on October 10th. I am at a spot fitness-wise that if you told me I would be here beginning of August, right when I hurt my ankle, I would have left. Especially as I was trying to like figure out if I could run or not run and going through the back and forth of that. I'm in a completely different spot and it's great. Okay. Another thing is that I've been doing is dipping into the gray zone. That's right. The dreaded gray zone that we hear so much about. Uh, it's a place that you don't want to live, right? It's kind of like a, a vacation spot that's great in small doses. Uh, that's where the gray zone is for me. So often we hear about how right, you're either going hard or you're going easy. And I think that's a great mantra. It's a really good thing to remind people, especially folks who have been living in the gray zone, to get out of there, right? Go hard or go easy, right? And it's a great thing. And there's been books written about it, and it's, it's fantastic. However, I think that there that we can sprinkle our, our, uh, our workouts and our training schedule with that gray zone, right? Like it can be the, the bacon on top of the, like the bacon bits on top of the salad. Okay, it is something that is certainly helpful, especially uh, for long runs or for not even long runs, but just kind of like uh, longer efforts in place of um, doing tempo work or threshold work or things like that. So, you know, this is something that I've been putting in my athlete's schedule where, you know, they're going on their long run and say, hey, second half of the run, if you're feeling good, tap the gas a little bit. Okay, not a workout. We're not doing marathon pace. It's kind of like easy plus, but it's a way of of staying in the aerobic zone, but stepping on the gas a little bit. And it kind of lets us help, helps us figure out maybe what we're capable of. Cause maybe when we, what we think is the gray zone isn't. And this is another way of tapping into that feeling of like, where are we fitness wise? If we are too dogmatic about this is my easy pace, this is the pace that I run. You might be right some of the time, but what if you're getting better and your easy pace is a little faster than that now? Again, not a minute per mile faster, nothing like completely out of the ordinary, but what if you're feeling fine a little bit faster than that? All right. Well, then it just means you're getting more fit, right? And there's also ways of, of improving your aerobic development and, and ways of feeling that, you know, little bit extra speed. Um, again, not doing it all the time, but just kind of going there occasionally that makes it feel good. Uh, makes us enjoy the run a little bit more and kind of tests our limits a little bit, kind of you know dipping our toe in the water of how does this pace feel? And all of that is good stuff. And this is something that I really haven't done a lot in the past. I've been pretty dogmatic about easy is easy. And then when we do workouts, we do workouts. 
And I think doing a little bit of moderate here and there um, has surprised me with how it's felt and how easy it's felt. Again, um, doesn't mean that I'm going to you know, stop doing easy paces by any means, but it is literally and figuratively a nice change of pace. Um, and another thing that we're going to talk about here is just the no judgment stuff. All right. Stop judging yourself and your runs. Okay. And by no, not judging, I mean not judging negatively. Okay. Positive judgment zone only. The negativity can hit the bricks. It just isn't going to serve you. It's not going to matter. It's not going to help you in any way. This is not just post run analysis that I'm talking about. This is also mid run stuff. And this is the piece that, um, has, I would say doing this show has really helped me with because I'm in a situation where I talk to so many runners and then I research other runners and then I read a lot of books about runners who are doing incredible things that how often have you heard people in any of those uh, mediums talk about how they were in this really terrible spot out on a run and then some sort of mindset shift happened and it opened the floodgates for, you know, them, you know, all of a sudden feeling great and doing these amazing things in the same run that they felt felt bad in. And that's what I'm trying to remind myself of constantly when I hit these negative patches of like, hey, it's not like this path where if it's going, if it's, as soon as it's going bad, there's no way of reversing it, right? It's not like, so this is an example that you know, I should have used just the other day, talking with an athlete who was running Chicago marathons. Like once you get, once you start overheating in a race, like you're not going to cool down, right? Like it's, once you start overheating and you're in the marathon, like it's, that's not great because it's, you're not going to start cooling down on the run. Oftentimes we start viewing all negative feelings on the run in that same lens. And it's just not true. There are so many ways to get back into it. And this is where the head being part of the body is so crucial and that it's just, it can be a mindset shift, something that, you know, a positive self-talk, you know, type thing, or it can just be, Hey, what about this other person? This other person went through a bad patch and then they rebounded and then had this wonderful next five miles, like nothing physiologically changed with them, but they were able to do it mentally. Right. And, or maybe it's a great reminder about the nutrition on the run. Maybe it's time to take that gel or it can be as simple as, Hey, I'm going to turn off the music now, right? And I'll let my mind fully focus on the run or the vice versa. And this has also happened for me where I wasn't listening to um, anything or was listening to an audiobook that was really, you know, that I really enjoyed, but wasn't like super motivating, you know, put on Spotify, put on a song I like, and it had this mind, this complete mental shift. And all of a sudden my, my legs took off and it's this mind body connection that often we can poo poo or we don't realize that it is as strong as it is. I mean, I went on a 14 mile run the other day and this was great. So right around mile 11, I started to wane a little bit. All right. My legs were feeling heavy. I've been out there for a while going on an uphill. Here we go. My, my pace really started to drop off. I started kind of like, you know, plodding up the uphill and I, I was listening to the Hillary Allen audiobook, which is absolutely fantastic. But I'm listening to the part where she's like going through this hellacious physical therapy. And I'm like, is this affecting my run right now? Is this in some way contributing to the negative feelings that my run is having? I, you know, grabbed my phone, switched over to Spotify, got some of my pump up songs and just said, screw it. And said, hey, I'm going to start running fast now. Again, not 
can I get back to my easy pace? Because I had dipped below that. I was trudging. No, I'm going to run fast, put on some music. This is at now mile 12. And I kicked it in, man. I'm like holding 7.30 pace the last two miles on this dirt road. I was cruising. To put that in perspective, that's like 10K pace for me, okay? So this was not a insignificant increase in pace. And it was purely mental. It was 100% mental. I didn't get in my own head about, oh my God, here we are. I'm, I'm you know, two miles away from my car and I'm going on this uphill. I got three more uphills to do. This sucks. Like, how am I going to get back home? No, I just, it was a complete shift. Again, I'm, and I'm, and I can't say this enough. I am not some sort of like special person who was able to dive into something that was, you know, only I have. Anybody can do this and anybody has done this. And this is the part where comparison is really great is that you may know people either personally or because you follow them or you read their books or whatever who have done awesome and amazing things in tough situations. They are human just like you. If they can do those tough things in tough situations, come back and then start crushing it, so can you because you're no different than them in like 99.999% of the ways. So, don't stop yourself from doing it. Okay. Don't, don't limit yourself. And if you don't have one of those days, you tried everything, it doesn't work. Well, no judgment then either. Okay. It's a time on feet day, right? All of a sudden, Hey, I was gonna go for out for, for a 90 minute run. I was out there for two hours. Instead of saying, wow, man, my pace really slowed and be like, Hey, I just got a two hour run in. That's great. The physiological benefits of running two hours instead of 90 minutes is real. So all of a sudden you can frame it differently. Again, the framing, the judgment, make it positive. Always. Okay. This does not have to be balanced. Okay. This is the other thing. Just because you're positive after certain runs doesn't mean you have to be negative after other runs. You can be positive only or no judgment at all. I went for a run yesterday. Boom. Done. It can just be a neutral statement. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that either. Okay, so positive or neutral, keep the negativity out. It's not helping you in any way. And most of the time, if not 99% of the time, you can frame it in a positive way. Like, hey, wow, did I struggle with nutrition today? I didn't take enough gels. I should have taken more. I didn't, ha I had water instead of an electrolyte mix. Fine, positive. That's a huge positive. Next time, you're not going to make that mistake. Better find out on a training day than on race day, right? So there's so many positives you can get from that. Um, from a strength perspective, we've already touched on a couple things. Let's talk about elevation change, okay? So actually, you know, before we do that, I'm going to do a quick uh, shout out to some of our sponsors. We're going to come back. We're going to hit a couple more points. All right, we're back at it. Elevation change. This is, again, whether you're running on roads, dirt roads, pavement, trail running, um, getting as much elevation change as you can is great. Long run, easy run, workout day. It's awesome. It, it just, it is going to make you a stronger runner going on the uphills. And additionally on the downhills, it will make you a faster runner because if you really dive into the downhills, you let gravity take you, you open up your hips and you really fly down the downhills. 
that's like a, you know, it, it teaches, it's great because what happens is from a neuromuscular standpoint, you're teaching your muscles and your nerves that you can run faster. And then this is the motion that we're talking about. And you're running way faster than you went on the flat ground, right? There are sprinters who will do this, who will practice going on a slight decline so their motion isn't really changed much, but all of a sudden they can hit paces that they normally wouldn't hit. There's other, other sprinters, what they'll do is they'll get like a, a golf cart will get on the track in front of them and have like a windscreen on it. So all of a sudden, you know, they'll, they're basically eliminating all drag from um, from their run. So all of a sudden there's no wind effect at all when they're sprinting. So now all of a sudden they're hitting sprint paces that they normally wouldn't hit. Why is that important? It's all a neuromuscular benefit. And that's what you get running downhill as well. So the strength that you get from going uphill, the speed you can get going downhill, it's all great stuff. Now, this ties into who gives a crap about pace. Because if you're going uphill, guess what? You're only going to be going slower than you were if you're, if you're going on flat ground. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Okay? Stop being committed to hitting a certain pace on these runs. It doesn't matter. It's not serving you. In fact, it's holding you back from running at faster paces. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. Okay? And this is the last thing that's been so big for me. And the irony here, you know, is 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 uh, is uh, thick enough that I have to like, you know, use uh, I don't even. I'm trying to think. I mean, flippers and fins to 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 glide through is just getting rid of all the time goals. I mean, as someone who went through mastering forty last year, the again the irony is hysterical. But getting rid of the time goals. So I'm running Richmond half in about a month which is kind of like a, a prep race, uh, and I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to go down, down to Richmond, but it's not my A race, uh, so to speak. The, the big one that I'm, trans, that I'm training for is CIM. So CIM is beginning in December, and I can't remember the last time that I went into a race where I legitimately didn't have a time goal, all right? Not even one on the sly, one that was kind of like hiding out in my head that I never told anyone about. Like, I have no time goal CIM, none. I want to have a great race. I want to test myself. I'm not going to, you know, like play it super smooth and, you know, run 80% the whole time and just, you know, cross the finish line with a big smile on my face and know that ultimately I didn't test myself. I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I'm going to run the best of my ability that day. What's my time going to be? What's my goal? I really don't care. Okay. What I care about is that I pace myself correctly. And then when the going gets tough, then I rise to the challenge. And it may get tough more than once. It probably will. I get tough three, four, five, six times. And then ultimately, I rise to that challenge. I keep pushing. I keep grinding. But this isn't about race day. This is about your training. Because if you go into your marathon prep or any kind of race day or race, um, maybe race uh, training cycle with certain ideas of I want to hit X and Y time at these races, then every run, every workout, every week, every month can be a referendum on how your training is going in relation to what your goal is. And those two things do not have to be connected. They just don't. Okay. You may have goals and I'm not going to tell someone not to have goals, but don't view your training and your progress through the lens of what your goal is. Those things are not connected. 
how well you ran yesterday isn't connected to what your goal is, okay? Goals are much more long-term than that. We try to dive into what we are capable of. Can I reach it? It can be a great motivating and inspirational tool for getting out of the bed uh, in the morning or running at night after the kids go to bed, but it's not gonna serve you if you if you um, grade yourself based on a curve where reaching seven minute per mile pace is the goal. Okay. So knock that off. I can't tell you how much it's freed me up to just run, enjoy it and have good feelings after my run because I'm not viewing it as, Hey, I'm going to be running CIM. Got a squirrel. A squirrel is now walking onto my car. This is hysterical. <laughs> I'm running CIM being like, all right, I need to break 330, right? Like I need, I need to break 330 or I need to break 345 or I have a podcast and I coach 30, 35 athletes and you know I need to be faster than my athletes or they won't respect me like none none of this stuff matters it doesn't right you run your best and then you keep going and then you keep it positive and then you you know you have good days you have bad days but you always try to keep it under the guise of this is a hobby that I love I'm going to put a lot into it and in order to get the most out of it I need to have a positive mentality not only because it will increase my enjoyment of the process of the end of the hobby generally speaking but it will also make me a better runner and keeping that positive mindset will make you a better runner it will help you adapt to the things and the work that you are doing it is not simply you know a method to start your run with a better mood this will actually help your adaptations. This is an enormous part of getting the most out of ourselves. And I know that you can do it. There are so many ways that we can subvert our expectations, that we can subvert our our talent and, and the things that we want to do. And a lot of it is based on judgment and negativity and doing the things in your life that can remove them from the equation while also increasing the things that we know is going to help us, that is where we want to be. And that is what has helped me. So there are plenty of things that I mentioned that will apply to so many of you, other things that won't, right? If you're more of, you know, so I'm, if you're more of a slow twitch athlete, for you might be like, hey, you know, throwing in, you know, strides four times a week has really unlocked speed for me that I didn't know I had. Great. That's awesome, right? That That isn't my problem but it might be something that can help you. For me, it's the opposite, right? For me, it's staying in the aerobic zone a lot more and really focusing on that and making that the bedrock of my weekly and monthly training has really helped me a lot. Perfect, right? That We're all different in certain ways, but in some ways we're not. And that we can do more than we think we can, especially if we keep a positive mindset and we don't let negativity encroach upon us before the run, during the run, or after the run. So thank you so much for listening to this solo episode of the Rambling Runner podcast. If you like this, please let me know. I can do more of this stuff occasionally, uh, whether it's coaching tips or how things are going with me and how that may relate to your training. Uh, feel free to reach out either on Instagram at rambling underscore runner or my email, ramblingrunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang.
yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.